Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of the Twisted Stitches podcast. My name is Twee, and I will be your host. This is a mostly knitting, occasionally spinning and sewing, and other crafty goodness podcast. My usual co-host, Kimberly, is on maternity leave. Until then, I will be a solo host. Uh, Today, I am recording on Tuesday... June 14th, 2016. Sorry, it took me a second to remember what date it was. I, this is actually the second time I have recorded this episode. I don't know if you guys can tell in the sound quality, but I am testing out another recording method today. I recorded this episode on Sunday over the weekend on my laptop but my laptop is getting older and it doesn't really like it when I do too many things on it. And when I was trying to edit the podcast, uh, it had a little bit of a meltdown. I let it rest for a day or two, but when I came back to it yesterday, it was still not very happy with me. And I tried to save the audio and you know, all that stuff that I already had, but, and then I transferred it to a hard drive so I could take it to work to see if I could maybe open it up at work and, you know, do a little editing and upload it from there. But it was just having so many issues and I just said, forget it. I'm just going to re-record this episode. So today I am recording on my tablet. I really recently uh, bought a Samsung Nook tablet and I'm trying to record on that with just a really simple recording app. I know a lot of podcasters record on their iPads and they always sound and look pretty good. I don't really know how this is going to go, but hopefully you can't tell too much in audio or at least hopefully the audio isn't bad. I recorded, you know, a few lines the other day and listened back to it and I I think it sounded okay. I hope it sounds okay. If it sounds really awful, let me know. Um, I'll try something else, but until my computer, I don't know, until I get a new computer, I might just have to do this. It's just less stressful. And no one wants to be stressful when they're talking about something as fun and relaxing as knitting, right? Alright, so I hope you guys have been well in the last couple of weeks. I'm trying to stay on schedule. It is it is harder without Kimberly. It seems like it should be easier because I'm just by myself and I can record anytime I want. But, at least for me, because I usually record with someone, I you know, really make an effort to record every couple of weeks on my own, I'm much more likely just to put it off, but I really wanted to get an episode out for you guys this week, which is why I'm recording now um, at 7 p.m. after work. I don't usually like to record in the evenings. I I don't know why. I've tried it before, and Kimberly and I have tried it before together, and we're usually just much more tired after work, as I think most people are, so... But um, it's, it's still pretty light out. It doesn't feel like it's super late. So I'm going to try to bust out this episode to get it up for you guys this week. All right, let's head right into the knitting. Um, first up in Whip It, I have been working on my Spindrift Shawl by Helen Stewart. 
that was the pattern that she had available for free and I think that was just for a limited time if you signed up for her email workshop newsletter and I am working this shawl in the Lemonade Shop Simple Sock Yarn in a one-of-a-kind colorway called Peach Speckle. <laughs> I purchased this from the Lemonade Shop Etsy store uh, a while ago. I don't even... yeah, it was probably at least a year ago. And it is a beautiful, uh, beautiful color with a base of a peachy pink sort of very not tonal shade and then just blips of neon rainbow all over and it's a really fun speckle. Um, I am about 40% through the shawl right now and I can tell this because Helen writes her patterns in this really neat uh, percentage checklist system where you can check off every row and it kind of gives you an approximate um, value of, you know, percentage-wise of where you are in the pattern. So right now I am about at row 78. And yeah, oh, actually I'm about 45% through the shell, which is great. Uh, I'm really liking how the yarn is, you know, knitting up and I really can't wait to wear this one. It's getting kind of warm here in LA which means I probably won't be able to wear this for a little while but it is a fingering weight shawl so I, I might be able to get away with it uh, at work or something like that the, the days have been quite cloudy here as well so I, I might be able to wear this before the fall if it stays this way we've definitely been having a lot of June gloom here in LA which is actually nice I know people think of LA as a place with perfect weather but you do get a little sick of the same weather all the time and it does get quite warm here in the summer so I, I'm looking forward to putting off the summer heat for a little while uh, the next thing I've been working on are my I Heart Bee socks and that's a pattern by Vanessa Townley of the Kill to Craft podcast this is a test knit for Vanessa and I am working the sock in Knit Picks Hawthorne in one of their speckled colorways called Aquatic Speckle. And this is a really fun pattern. Um, it is a patterned sock and it has a honeycomb cable, sorry, a honeycomb cable pattern um, all around the leg and down the foot of the sock. I have finished one sock already and am about one repeat away on the leg from starting the heel. So I'm, I'm close, very, very close. And I am making the smallest size of a sock and am using US size zero and one needles. Uh, because of the way my foot is shaped and the gauge I'm getting in this yarn, I am working everything except the leg of the sock in the zeros and the leg I'm working in the one uh, one size needle just to make it a slightly looser um, it you know it would fit with you know if I work them on zeros but if you stretch the cable pattern out too much 
you kind of lose the pretty honeycomb shape. So I, I just switched to a slightly larger needle size for you know the leg of the sock. And it's going swimmingly. Uh, the socks are really beautiful and Vanessa is going to have a knit along for the socks when she re-releases them. Um, she released this pattern a few years ago, but she's redoing it uh, just to be cleaner and to just update it because she, you know, has more design experience under her belt now and she wanted to put out a better pattern. And so I'm testing that for her. I'm not sure when she's going to release the pattern, but check out her podcast, Kilt Craft, or her Ravelry group to see, um, you know, you can ask her or she might have put up the information on exactly when she's going to release it. And it's going to be a free pattern. Hooray for free patterns. And uh, yeah, join the knit along. Um, these socks are going to be really, really pretty and fun to wear. I don't usually do a lot of patterned socks because I like to zone out when I knit socks, but the, um, you know, patterning is really easy. You actually only have to pay attention to a couple of rows where the cable crosses happen. Otherwise, it's, you know, just knitting. And it's a really fun and easy pattern, so definitely check it out. It's the I Heart Bees socks. Oh, and I'm going to enter these, if I finish them in time, which I think I will, I'm going to enter these into the PalCal, which is a knit-along hosted by Mich Michelle of Actually Knitting. And this is a knit-along. That stands for the Podcast Along Knit Along. Michelle hosts this Knit Along every year as a way to encourage people to support their favorite podcasters by working with their yarn and patterns and other products. A lot of podcasters, you know, also own, you know, shops or design knitting patterns. And this, um, the Packle is just a way to support them and to bring more attention to them. And you can use so many things, you know, project bags, stitch markers, yarn, patterns. And so because Vanessa is a podcaster, I will be able to enter these into the PalCal. So check out uh, the Actual Knitting Ravelry group to uh, find out all the rules on that. I think it lasts over the summer, though. You have a lot of time to, to knit something, and there are prizes and coupon codes which I'm always down for a sale. So take advantage. Alright, next up we have Faux Show! I have one finished object to talk about this week. And, sorry, I'm reaching for her. Uh, the finished object I have is a kiwi bird. Uh, if you watched the latest episode of the Kilt Craft podcast, you may have noticed that Vanessa also talked about knitting a kiwi, and I have to say that I shamelessly copied her. We were messaging uh, on Instagram, and Nessa was talking about how she'd had some knitting frustration recently, and to sort of get her knitting mojo back, she was going to whip out a quick knit kiwi, and I had never, you know, heard or seen this pattern before. But it is indeed a kiwi, a kiwi bird, and she's super cute and kind of goofy looking. This is a pattern that is free on Nitty. 
I believe it's from the Deep Fall 2011 issue. You can just go to nitty.com and type in Kiwi in the search bar and it'll pop up. And this pattern is by a designer named Chi Zombie, which I think is an amazing handle. I wish I had thought of that. And the, uh, yeah, this was a really, really quick knit. I actually had a bit of a false start with it. Uh, when I when I first knit it, I started um, the pattern, you know, knitting the pattern with worsted weight yarn. You can change the size of your kiwi depending on what weight yarn you use. The pattern showed, I think, a couple of worsted weight versions and then one in bulky weight. But uh, I have a lot of leftover worsted scraps, and that's what I decided to use. And so the body of the Kiwi is knit in Cascade uh, 224. This is a discontinued yarn by Cascade. I don't know if you guys remember it, but it is a four ply worsted weight yarn, and each of the plies is a different color. So it gives it a sort of marled look. Uh, I remember some of the colorways were more colorful, like they had one that was blues and greens and like pinks, but this is a sort of neutral colorway. It's called Brown Bear and it's a bunch of different shades of brown, starting from really, really dark brown to chocolate brown to more of a like lighter beigey brown. And I use this for the body of the kiwi. And when you make a toy, you te you're supposed to go down a couple of needle sizes usually than what you would normally use to give yourself a really dense fabric. You just want the toy to be able to sort of have a little bit of structure and you don't want to see the filling. You know, if your gauge is too loose, you might see some of the filling. So since it's worsted weight yarn, I decided to go down to a US 4 needle. and. The way this is knit, it's really ingenious actually, you start with a few stitches on the bottom and increase for the, the bulb part, which is sort of the butt, and then you decrease, and then you do uh, a bunch of short rows to create the neck and head. And so I, you know, worked all the way up and did the most of the neck short rows and then you're supposed to stop and stuff the bird and before you do the final decreases and then make the beak. So I got that far and I started stuffing the bird and I was looking okay, I was looking okay. And as I got higher up the bird, uh, right where the short row started, I started noticing really big gaps. And I think that was, it's just sort of the nature of the short rows and maybe working the short rows um, really close together on a small circumference. I think I was just, you know, knitting, like not pulling my yarn as tight as I usually do, so there were like just bigger ladders in between the short row changes. And so I started noticing that I could, you know, really see the stuffing in certain parts of the body, and, you know, I tried pulling, you know, some of the strands just to get them closer together, but it just was not really looking awesome. And I sat there for a minute thinking, you know, can I live with it? It's not terrible. No one else would probably notice this but me. 
And so I, I did sit there for a minute, you know, it's one of those things where you just have to think, can I live with this or will this bother me, you know, every time I look at it? And I thought to myself, this is going to bother me every time I look at it. So I ended up ripping the entire thing out. I mean, it wasn't a ton of knitting, but it, you know, it took the better part of it. You know, it was my evenings knitting, you know, and I don't, you know, like most people, I don't get a ton of time to knit. So when you sort of, you know, knit, you know, for an hour or two and then and I'm ripping it all back, it's pretty, de not depressing, I would say, but, you know, frustrating, I guess, but, um, but I really wanted her, and so I immediately recast on in a much smaller needle. I, I had already started with a four, which was too loose, so I decided to go down to a US two needle size. And I used the square collage double points. I don't know if you guys have seen those, but they're, I mean, they're square. Uh, they're supposed to be better for some people on their hands, a little bit easier on their hands. And I picked up a few pairs a while back when they were showing up at Tuesday morning. Um, some of the yeah, people had said that they had seen some of these, you know, double points. And I went out looking for them, and I did find some. Um, I can't remember what sizes. I know I bought size 0 and 1, and, it, you know, I guess I bought a 2. And the general consensus also is also that when you use the square needles, your gauge tends to be tighter. Just the way that the your needles are shape, shaped, um, people tend to knit a little tighter on them. And uh, I'm already a loose knitter, so it doesn't usually matter. But in this case, I was worried that the uh, twos would be too uh, too small because it'd be almost like knitting worsted weight yarn on US ones, which is crazy, right? Um, but I did not have any other pairs of two double points that I could find in my collection. Uh, I have a lot of double points, I would say. Not as many circulars, but I, I am one of those people who uses double points. Uh, a lot of people like to use magic lube, especially if you're a circular person, but I really enjoy the double points for things like socks and the decreases on a hat. So I still have a lot of those, but for some reason I only I could only find these uh, cubics uh, in a two. So I, I just settled for that, and, and I thought, you know, if it's going to be dense, it's going to be real dense then. And I restarted my kiwi on the twos. And the fabric is pretty dense, but it's it's nice. It's it's good because this is a toy, and you you the dense denseness is you know a plus. Uh, there are still a, a few little gappy bits uh, where the short rows are, and that's I think all, that's just all me because this yarn um, in the needle sizes are very you know the yarn in the needle sizes are smaller. <laughs> It's just, I think, the way I was working the short rows. But it's not very noticeable. And so I was much happier with it this time around. And I, I stuffed her. And I made the eyes. Uh, as I said, this was this is constructed really fun. In a really fun way. You make the body first. And then decrease for the head. And do the short rows. And then uh, you get all the way to the top decreases. And then you make an eye cord, which becomes the beak. So that's kind of ingenious 
for the eyes, the eyes are the best part of the kiwi because they're pretty bulbous and they make her look really a little, little kooky and each you know person does them a little differently you know if you look on the Ravelry page everyone does the eyes kind of differently so it really gives the kiwi different sort of facial expressions and you end up you what you do for the eyes is you pick up stitches on the top of the head and then increase knit for like a few rows and then decrease and then you stuff them so it's not just you know I embroidered eyes on you you make like a little ball and stuff them <laughs> and it's just so she just looks so funny with her goofy round eyeballs and yeah so yeah I have finished a kiwi I've named her Clara Clara the kiwi and she keeps me company here at home she watches me knit she sits on her little bum and hangs out with me and I love her you guys should definitely check out this pattern if you've never seen it it's really really cute Thank you, Nessa, for introducing me to the joys of the Knit Kiwi. Uh, that's the only FO I have today, though. Next up, we have in my mailbox. I have one thing to share with you that was in my mailbox. Um, this showed up actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I haven't had time to talk about it. I participated recently in a mini skein swap in the Grocery Girls podcast group. The Grocery Girls and Legacy Knits podcast co-hosted a mini skein swap between people in their, their groups. You could sign up, I think, in either group and then they would match. The people just, um, you know, whoever signed up in their group would be matched up. And it was a pretty uh, simple swap. It was just 10, 10 gram minis and then maybe a couple other fun things. And I was paired with a, another lovely Raveler, I can't even say Raveler, and I don't really have permission to say her name, but I'll just call her D. And we, you know, we messaged a little bit before sending off our packages, but uh, I received her package a little while ago, and uh, it's really, really sweet and really um, beautiful. She sent me a bunch of gorgeous, gorgeous minis. They're is a really nice variety in here. A lot of them are um, variegated, but there are a few solids in here too. Ooh, there was a really beautiful like, magenta pink in here, which I love pink. This is, ooh, she even labeled them. I was bad. I didn't label mine when I sent them to her. I just didn't have time. It's so nice when people make mini skeins in, you know, like in actual little mini skeins, but I find it so much easier for me and I think for the knitter on the other end eventually when you just, you know, just give them a ball. So I just rolled mine in balls. I, I put them in a cool little egg carton container though. Uh, I forget which, I think it's Target. Occasionally I will buy groceries from Target if I'm just there and need a basic item. And I do buy eggs there occasionally and their eggs, their brand eggs, come in a really cool clear egg carton that has another flap that goes on top of the eggs that's also shaped like the bottom, you know, how it has the cups on the bottom, but there's another sort of hinged flap that goes on top um, just to keep your eggs extra secure. So I've saved one that I had a while ago and 
wound her yarn into balls and then put them in the egg carton. So it looked pretty cool, even though I did not skein them all pretty or even label them. So sorry, Dee. Um, this pink one is ooh, Miss Babs Yummy Two Ply. Oh, she even put the suggested gauge on here. Oh, now I feel kind of like a jerk. She put a lot of effort into this. Um, uh, here's some Aracania Fingering Four Ply and ooh, a Query Fiber. This is pretty. I have never tried Query Fiber. This is the Water Fire colorway. And ooh, another Query Fire. Uh, yeah, this is super pretty. And oh, I won't read them all to you, but I kind of want to see. Expression Fiber Arts and more Query Fiber. She likes Query Fiber, and I, I don't blame her. These colors are beautiful. Some Monostyle Uruguay, Alegria, and more Miss Babs. This is a pretty color. Spread Your Wings colorway. I love Miss Babs. And then I have another Query Fiber and another Monostyle Uruguay Alegria. These are all so beautiful. And she also sent me this adorable notions pouch with oops sorry if you hear that zipper with an Alice in Wonderland print on it and this is the print that looks like the Disney cartoon animation. I, I love Dis um, I love Alice in Wonderland but the Disney iteration is definitely one of my favorites. I used to watch it all the time as a child and I don't think I understood what was really going on except that it was really strange and like interesting but it's always held sort of a special place in my heart because of it um, yeah so thank you so much to the grocery girls and legacy knits for hosting a really cool swap I definitely have to give some attention to my mini squares blanket sometime soon I really don't work on that blanket very much I, since I restarted it, I only have one and a half squares. It's not even a blanket. I can't even pretend it looks like a blanket. It's not even a whole row. It's like a little, I don't even know. It's like a mini, it's like half of a coaster right now. But I, I really do want to work on it. I've been slowly sort of amassing a collection of, of minis. And I, I really want to um, get them in this blanket. So, yeah, very fun. That was in my mailbox. And then next up we have Retail Therapy. Ooh, I've been kind of bad in the last few weeks. I was really good for a couple months, maybe more, and didn't buy anything. But the last few weeks were pretty bad, and I received four project bags in the mail. Yes, four. Uh, it's a regular bag of palooza around here. Uh, but I am really happy <laughs> about all of these bags. I can't really say that I regret these purchases at all. So, yeah. No regrets, right? No regrets. The first bag I want to talk about is a bag by Mrs. Brown's Bags. Speaking of the grocery girls, Mrs. Brown's Bags is owned by Jody, who is half of the Grocery Girls podcast. And... I purchased one of her knit fabric bags. If you've never seen her bags, uh, she has a lot of different kinds, but lately one of her specialties has been knitting up swatches of knit fabric and then creating fabric on spoon flower with like a scanned print of them. 
And she released a few new colorways recently. I think this was a new one. And it's kind of hard to get her bags. They're really popular and um, at least when I've tried before during the updates, I was never really able to get one. But Jodi sort of changed the way she does her updates now where she just puts bags up kind of randomly and just to sort of give more people a chance to get them, you know, just if you check whenever, like there might be a bag, you know, bags that are, you know, in there and that's what happened to me. I was probably listening to their podcast and whenever I listen to their podcast, it reminds me that, you know, I should check the shop and I checked it and lo and behold, there were actually quite a few bags in the shop, which was crazy to me. It, I almost felt like it was fake, you know, like someone was going to carjack me at any second, but that didn't happen. And I, you know, had a few minutes to browse. And so I ended up picking up one of the stockinette stitch bags. I think this is a two skein bag. It's a pretty good size. I definitely, I could definitely fit a sock easily or a shawl project in here. And I don't know what this colorway is called for this fabric, but it is sort of a watercolory. I would say, to me it looks rainbowy, but it's got purples and pinks and blues and yellows. And it's just beautiful. It has a purple zipper, which is very nice. And it has just a plain cream interior, which is nice. I, I tend to prefer patterned, or not patterned, but I like it when the interior fabric is also a print, but it's also fun to have you know, plain ones as well. So that was the first bag I received. Uh, the next bag uh, is one I'm really, really excited about. And that is a bag from Studio in the Green. Uh, this is my first bag from her. I follow her on Instagram and I've definitely stocked her shop before, but I've never pulled the trigger on a bag. But I was stalking her Instagram because she has been working um, on a project in a Bob's Burgers bag. And I've talked about it before. And I'm a huge fan of Bob's Burgers. So she's been working on a sock or something. And, you know, she'll take a picture of what she's been doing. And she was just using this bag over and over again. But it was not in her shop. And I figured I must have just missed it, you know maybe she had a month ago, I have no idea. But she posted on Instagram a couple of weeks ago that she was getting more fabric in and was going to make more of these bags. So I full on set an alarm and, you know, made sure I was available for this update. I don't generally like to be like, you know, yeah, I don't generally like have to be, <laughs> I can't even speak right now. I don't like it when I have to be an Etsy ninja to get something. Normally I'll just bypass it and figure, you know, I'll get something else or, you know, if I go back another time and there's something, I'll get it. I just, I just don't want to have to fight for stuff. And the way Etsy's set up, like, you know, it's just whoever checks out first. And... But I, but I really wanted this bag. I wasn't sure if she would be getting more. She wasn't sure. She actually put up some pre-orders that same day after people had commented that they would like to see that if, you know, they couldn't get a bag. And so I could have gone that way. But I just, you know, I really wanted something now. And 
So I set an alarm for the update. Thank goodness it was, I think it was like in the late afternoon for me, not like some crazy early morning hour, because in that case I probably would have skipped it. But uh, I managed to snag one. And this is her sock sack, I think it's called. And it is one of those sock bags that is a drawstring but has a zippered divider in the middle so that you could do... Uh, separate your balls and do two at a time socks or you know maybe just me I only do one sock at a time so I would just put maybe the yarn in one side and then the sock in the other and it also has yarn guides on the side which is really cool so if you were working on something two at a time or two colors you could thread your yarn up the side so they don't, they don't tangle and so it's a Bob's Burgers bag. The you know the amazing thing about this bag, besides the you know wonderful craftsmanship, is that it has a Bob's Burgers print. It is a sort of a cream colored canvas with uh, silhouettes of each character's head with no faces, and uh, it's black and white except for Louise. If you watch the show, you know who is the daughter, and she always wears pink bunny ears. So. Her head has her black hair, but then pink bunny ears. And the interior is a print that has hamburger and french fries on it, which is amazing. And I love hamburger and french fries, and I love Bob's Burgers. And I have decided that this will be uh, this year's Comic-Con knitting bag. I'd like to take a, you know, sort of geeky bag to Comic-Con every year for my knitting. Last year I took a Batman bag that I made myself, and this year I'm going to take the Bob's Burgers bag. I will be taking it into the Bob's Burgers panel, which I think will be super fun. And I don't have it yet, so I won't talk about it too much, but I did order a skein of yarn uh, over the weekend from Nomadic Yarns. She has a colorway called Beef Squatch. And again, that's another Bob's Burgers reference. It refers to uh, one of the episodes. She's had this in her shop for a while as a dyed to order, but I hadn't pulled the trigger on that uh, because I, you know, I just don't need yarn. I figured, you know, when I really want it, I'll get it. Or maybe if it shows up in an update, I'll get it. And so Ashley had a big update uh, last week, and. I didn't actually check it until like hours after it had gone up, and she usually doesn't have the beef squash colorway. It's not one that she just regularly dyes up for you know her updates. But I, I thought maybe oh, let's just check. It's been you know four hours. You know what's the harm? And lo and behold, there was one last skein of beef squash. So I, you know, to me that is yarn fate. I decided that it was meant to be, and I purchased it. And it has not come yet, but I will definitely be talking about it and showing it to you guys when it does come. I'm going to hang on to that and put it in my bag, and I'm going to use that as my Comic-Con knitting. I mean, I'll just make socks out of it, and I will start them before Comic-Con so that it, they're all ready on the needles. But I think it'll be really fun to knit um, some Bob's Burgers socks with my Bob's Burgers bags during Comic-Con this year. Alright, that's just bag number two, guys. I got two more to go. And the next bag I received is a really fun bag from an Etsy seller called Stitches Plus Pearls. I heard about this bag maker from the Andre Sue Knits podcast. And if you follow Twisted Stitches on Instagram, you've probably already seen this bag. It is a super, super fun bag. 
uh, that is a patchwork bag. It has uh, several different uh, prints uh, pieced together and then sewn together into a bag. But the amazing part of this bag, at least amazing to me, is that all of their bags come with a saying on them that is hand embroidered onto a strip of fabric and then also pieced together with everything else. And the bag I received has the expression, F off, I'm knitting. And, you know, I know that profanity isn't forever, uh, forever, for everyone, and, but I think it's hilarious. And clearly I, I'm censoring it for you guys, but the F word on this is spelled out. I just think it's super, super hilarious, and it also has uh, an image from a piece of fabric of this really grumpy-looking cat you know, looking at you as the bag spells this out, and I just it just makes me smile when I look at it. Of course, I would never tell people to F off when I'm knitting, but, I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I do feel that way. It's like, leave me alone. I just want to enjoy my knitting. And they have other really fun sayings like crafty b-word, yarn hoe, F cleaning, knit all day, and... Yeah, I just think they're really funny, and the bags are really well made, you know, the piecing of it, you know, the fabrics in the front is really well done, and I love the fabrics they they choose. They're just really colorful, and I have some cotton and steel fabrics on mine, I can tell, and some K-facets, and yeah, this is just a really fun bag. It has a handle, and again, this one has a plain colored interior, it's kind of like white canvas. And this is a sort of, I would say this is would be a good size for a bigger shawl. It's not huge, um, but it's definitely bigger than what you would want for just a sock. And the, the bag is a little bit stiffer than some of my other bags. Not in a bad way, it's just, I think that matters to some people. Um, it is a little bit stiffer, it's not like quilted or like cushioned, you know. Some of my bags, like my Uso and So bags, are kind of squishy and they have like some it feels like they have quilting content ah quilting like um batting inside of them but this is not it's it's a little bit stiffer but it's really nice and um you can definitely fit yeah quite a bit of yarn in here I can imagine or if you're making like a fingering weight sweater with like three or four balls of yarn I bet you could fit them in here so yeah I'm really excited about that that was from Stitches Plus Pearls. I, I definitely want a few more of their bags. They have some other fun sayings that I'd like to add to my collection. I also suggested to them on, on Instagram that they should have a, um, a few sayings with the word balls in them, you know, because of the yarn balls. And they said they, they had some planned, and they had had some in the past. So I, I might, if something comes up with that... Uh, word or expression that I like, I, I, would, I might get another one. Though I don't need any more bags, clearly, right? Alright, and the last bag I received is a bag from Diana Couture. And this is a bag maker that I found out about a while ago from the Bookish Stitcher podcast. Uh, Jeanette, I think is friends with the owner of this shop, and she showed off their bags before. Uh, again, this is my first purchase from this shop. I had been keeping an eye out for their shop for a certain print of fabric. At one point they had it 
but then someone bought it, and, you know, it's been months since they've had it uh, back in stock. I didn't know if they were going to get it again. I probably could have emailed the owner to ask, you know, if she could get it, but again, it was one of those things where I just figured, you know, I'd wait to see if it came back, and if it didn't, that was the universe's way of telling me that I could buy it then. So the fabric did come back in stock, but I missed it again. Um, but the owner was nice enough to tag me on Instagram, I think because I had commented on the original picture um, that, you know, I liked the print. But she tagged me and said that um, even though the previous ones had sold, she had put more, or like she was putting more into the shop. And this time I decided not to hesitate and I picked uh, picked up this bag. And so um, I guess I can tell you about the print. It's from a designer called Santoro. I Santoro London. I'm not super familiar with this designer, but they do have a line of fabrics that I've seen. And they're all sort of vintage looking with a sort of cream or tea stained, you know, kind of look. And most of them feature um, women on them, but they have this sort of, they're illustrated and it, they look sort of, I mean, what's the word for them? I guess I would call them kind of creepy cute, very Tim Burton-esque in my eye, you know, they kind of had placid expressions on their faces and big eyes, and I just really like this print. This one has sort of portraits of these girls, and then the contrast fabric is um, cream with sort of blue and gray butterflies. And so the bag I bought is called the Serena bag, and this is a medium-sized bag, but it's really unusual. I don't have any bags like this. It kind of looks like a lunchbox or a lunch bag that has a, you know, so it has a box bottom, but then the top kind of uh, comes together, and then you can snap a flap over it, and also has a little handle. And the bag is uh, really well made, and inside it has two side pockets, actually. Oh, so it was one big pocket on the side, and then a pocket on the other side, but that has smaller partitions in it, so you could probably put, you know, your scissors or your double points or something like that. And this bag is deceptively large. I mean, it's not a very big bag when you look at it, but because of the way it's constructed, um, you know, it looks small when you snap the, the flap over it, but then you can open it really wide at the top, which is, I think is really cool. And... Jeanette uh, from Book is Stitcher <laughs> said that she really likes this bag when she's working with two skeins or two colors because she will thread each color out of a different side of the bag, sort of under the flap, and that way it sort of acts as a natural um, yarn guide and they don't get tangled. And yeah, I'm really happy with this one. I'm glad I finally just purchased it. I kept kicking myself for missing it. I missed it twice. Um, but thank goodness she got more of this fabric in and took pity on took pity on me, really. Again, this one is Diana Couture, and she is on Etsy. I think everyone here is that I've spoken about is on Etsy. Etsy is just a black hole of awesomeness, but also not awesomeness, because... I need some, I need to save my money, but I can't help it when people keep making beautiful things.
All right. That's all the retail therapy I have this week, which is quite a lot. Next up is events. The only event that's coming up is Worldwide Knit in Public Day. That is this coming Saturday, June 18th, 2016. Uh, I mean, I haven't read up much about it. Um, I think it, the point is just to knit in public and sort of, you know, to sort of show people that there are knitters all over the place of all different shapes and sizes, you know, ages and genders and all that good stuff. Hopefully it'll start a positive conversation where you are. I am tentatively making plans with Annie from the Petite Weaver Crafts podcast. If you guys don't know, definitely check out Annie on YouTube. She's a video podcast and she just started it a few weeks ago or a month ago and she records weekly, I'm pretty sure, and she is amazing. I've been following her on Instagram for a while, but she's only been knitting for a couple of years, but she's knit like six sweaters and she spins and weaves. Recently she was talking about how she spun all this yarn that she was going to weave and then into fabric and then sew into a dress, which is amazing. I mean, the only thing she didn't do is like raise the sheep. I think she even dyed the yarn. Um, yeah, she is fantastic. Uh, I, I really enjoy her podcast, and the episodes are pretty short, which can be nice. I tend to like slightly longer podcasts, but uh, hers are maybe about 30 minutes long, but that's also kind of nice because sometimes I'm not... I usually listen when I, I'm driving, and it, it is nice when, you know, I have a shorter drive, and, you know, I can finish a whole episode, or sometimes two if I get behind. And she actually actually has a fun tutorial on her YouTube channel right now for a giant drawstring uh, project bag, <laughs> which looks really fun. She made a couple uh, for herself and friends, and she put her mitered square blanket in it, and it just looks really fun. Uh, I may have to try that at some point. Um, I haven't done any sewing for a while, but I'm, I'm sort of trying to get back into it, and I think it would be just really fun to make a one of these giant drawstring bags and put my, um, my blanket in it, because I don't really have any really large drawstring bags, and eventually, one day, when it has more than just two squares on it, it will need a bigger bag. So I'm just planning ahead, guys, right? And so yeah, that's what's happening. Um, hopefully Andy and I will be able to meet up this Saturday and chat and have some brunch and knit. Yeah. So that's Worldwide Knit and Public Day, June 18th. Do not forget it. I think that is all I have for knitting segments this week. Um, that was actually pretty good. I think it's because I already recorded this episode once, and it's going a little bit smoother this time. I feel like I ramble a lot when I'm by myself, but it's getting it's getting a little better. So if you don't want to hear about uh, non-knitting stuff, it's totally cool. I'll catch you guys next time, but if you want to stick around, stick around. First up we have, what am I reading? I have been reading a few fun things this uh, week. Um... Well, first I wanted to mention that I visited a new-ish bookstore in town called The Ripped Bodice. Yes, you heard me right. It's called The Ripped Bodice, and it is, I think, the only romance-only 
bookstore in the United States. And this was started by two sisters who love romance and started a Kickstarter campaign uh, maybe a year ago or two to open up this bookstore. And unfortunately, I did not find out about the campaign until it was over, but I fully support them because I think romance is awesome and more people, I think, should be encouraged to read it. And it's fun to celebrate just reading in general, but just, you know, I think romance gets a bad rap. People feel like they, almost like knitting sometimes, I guess, you know, you feel a little bit like you don't want to tell people you read romance because you're kind of embarrassed for whatever reason. And I say never be embarrassed about what you're reading. At least you're reading. And there's a book out there for everyone. And you should just wave your book reading flag high, whatever it is. So yeah, I was really excited to visit the shop. It has been open for a little while now, but it's kind of across town from me. And in LA, across town is a very far distance, at least time-wise. And so I had put it off for a while, but I was talking with my friend Althea, and we decided we should just go on a weekend. We, we were like, let's just go. It'll take us a while to get there, but it'll be fun, and we'll at least be together. And we so we made our way over there, and it was really, it's an awesomely laid out store. It's in a really cute section of Culver City, if you, you know, are ever in the area. It's near a main strip of lots of restaurants and other shops. And so there's a lot to do in that area. You don't have to just go to the store, though you can, which is what we did. And everything's, you know, it's really nice and open and airy and everything's organized really well. Because it's romance only, it's really fun because everything is sort of really categorized by theme, you know, so you have like contemporary romance or you have rock romance and you have historicals are all in one section, but they're separated by time period, you know, like Victorian, Georgian. It was really interesting. And you know, one of my favorites is the paranormal romance uh, genre. And that was sort of in the back, in you know, like a really cool room with like black walls and black bookshelves instead of white. And they had really cool uh, notions as well. They had soaps and uh, cards and uh, both Athea and I bought wooden bookmarks that had you know, the Ripped Bodice logo etched into them. And so yeah, that was really, really fun. And I did pick up one book there. I can't remember what it's called right now, but the uh, one of the sisters who owns the shop uh, was helping me and she suggested this book that she said was similar to A Discovery of Witches, which is a trilogy by Deborah Harkness, and I really liked A Discovery of Witches, and I think Deborah Harkness actually blurbs this book. So I immediately picked it up, and the cover's not... I don't love the cover, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, if you guys... I'll post a picture of it when I get a chance, and um, to let you guys know what it is, but... It, the cover looks, it's not my favorite. Um, I think it's just the style because I, I like a specific, you know, I have a certain inclination when it comes to covers, and this one just looked kind of bland. Um, but, you know, we had a good recommendation and a good blurb, so I picked that up. 
And I haven't started reading that book yet, but I just want to let you guys know about this shop. If you're ever in the L.A. area, uh, definitely check it out. It's really worth a, a visit. Alright, so what I'm actually reading is I Finished Forevermore by Kristen Callahan. I talked about that in the last episode. That is the last book in her Darkest London series. And it is a paranormal historical romance. I am really excited because Katie from Inside Number 23 mentioned in her last podcast that she had downloaded the first book in the Darkest London series, which is Firelight. I really hope you like it, Katie. Uh, you know, everyone likes their own things, but Kimberly and I really do like her, and I hope you do too. Forevermore was really good. It was a really good last book for the series. It wrapped up everything really nicely. And, you know, I'm, I'm bummed that the series has ended, but, uh, but yeah, it's really good. There were, I think, five or six books in this series, so if you haven't read them, you can sort of binge read, read them, which is always fun. And Kristen has a new book out called Idol, and that is a contemporary romance set in, I guess, the rock world. It would be considered a, the rock a rock romance, and it has, you know, a lead singer, you know, hot lead singer, and uh, a heroine. I don't really know a ton about it. I just saw that it was released, and because I love Kristen so much, I immediately downloaded it to my Kindle. And I have not started it yet, but it's waiting, waiting in the wings. Uh, the next thing I've been reading is Eligible by Curtis... Sittenfeld. I, I finished this book a few weeks ago, but just forgot to talk about it. Eligible is a modern retelling of Pride and Prejudice. I am a huge Jane Austen and Pride and Prejudice fan, so I immediately picked this one up. I was really excited about it. I found a copy at the library, which was really nice. And... While I really, really wanted to like this book, I have to say that I didn't really. I have not read any of Sittenfeld's work before, but I have a couple of friends who like her books. And this was well written. Uh, the, the problem I had with it was, uh, you know, more that I did not like any of the characters. And I understand that in books you don't always like the characters. They're not always super lovable, but you have to be kind of rooting for them in some way, at least for me, to make a book really compelling. And this book was just too... I don't know what the word is. It, you know, I think it was really mimic, trying to mimic the Jane Austen sort of style. Not style in, like, writing, but, um... You know, Pride and Prejudice is sort of a satire, and this was trying to be very satirical. But I think it, for me, it just went too far. And everyone is kind of annoying and selfish and self-serving. You know, I, I love Lizzie as a heroine, usually. But in, in this book, she just didn't do anything for me. She and Darcy didn't seem to have a lot of chemistry. I don't know. I just I just didn't 
didn't love it, which was sad because I, I wanted to. But, I mean, anyway, it's set in modern times, and Lizzie and Jane, who normally live in New York, have come home to live with their parents again in Chicago because their dad uh, had a heart attack. And so they came back for a few uh, months to just take care of him. And Lizzie is a writer. I think she writes for a sort of feminist magazine. And, yeah, I mean, she's smart and all that good stuff, but... She's kind of just, yeah, she's, I just didn't like her very much, and she has this weird relationship with, you know, the Wickham character. It's different than in the actual Pride and Prejudice, but, you know, it didn't seem that interesting either, and in Pride and Prejudice, there's sort of a, a turning point where Darcy, or Liz, yeah, Liz realizes that Darcy has done something to really help her family, and that's how she realizes that, you know, he's still in love with her. And, uh, something, you know, something similar happens in this book, but the thing that Darcy does for them, to me at least, was kind of, I don't know, was kind of a letdown and kind of lame, I thought. So, yeah, some of the modernization was interesting, but some of it also seem kind of arbitrary. I don't I don't think it was necessarily, but it didn't do anything for me. And I'm not sure if it's just that I just didn't get it cuz because people have, you know, there's really mixed reviews on Goodreads. Some people love it, but other people like me just found the characters very grating and you know, just didn't like it. So, yeah, I mean, I gave it a 2 star. Uh, rating on Goodreads, which, you know, to me is like, it was okay. Uh, I think, you know, the writing was well done, but it was a little bit slow, and I didn't really like any of the characters. Uh, I would, I have a couple, I think I have at least one of her other books that a friend gave to me. I would be interested in reading that, just something, you know, that's pure fiction on her part and not based on anything else. Because I do think she is a pretty good writer. I just don't think that this one was my cup of tea. But I mean, I would be interested if any of you have read it. I know that there are a lot of Austin fans out there in the uh, knitting podcast world. And I would love to hear it if you've read this or if you've read other books by her and, you know, if you liked it or not. Um, I mean, not like you'll convince me to like it, but I, I'm just interested to hear why other people, why other people like it. And the last thing I've been reading is Jurassic Park by Michael Crichton. I'm actually listening to this in audiobook. I went to visit my parents a couple of weeks ago for my niece's high school graduation, and it is a five-hour drive each way. And usually I listen to podcasts on my phone or, you know, yeah, mostly podcasts, actually. Or, I mean, I'll stream sometimes audiobooks from my um, phone, too, on the Overdrive app. But there are several sketchy spots. Not sketchy safe-wise, but uh, cell reception-wise um, on the way to my parents' house. And so I usually like to back up my entertainment selections with actual CD audiobooks. Because when I can't get reception, I, I pop those in. And 
trust me, there's nothing more boring than driving up the five in the middle of nowhere, you know, on a two-lane, you know, road or four-lane road, not being able to listen to anything. And one of the books I picked up on audio was Jurassic Park. I have read Jurassic Park before. It's been years since I've read it, though. I think I read it after the first movie came out because I liked the, the you know, movie so much. This was probably in 97 or 98, which will give you a clue maybe to how old I am. And uh, I read the first two books in the Jurassic Park series, um, Jurassic Park and The Lost World. I remembered liking them a lot, but I had forgotten, you know, most of it, except, you know, and I think the memory of the movie has also mingled with my memories of the book. And... So that's the first audiobook I decided to pop into my CD player, and I don't have the audio reader's name on me, but this is the 25th anniversary edition of the audiobook. It was recently the 25th anniversary of the book, and they re-released like a, a different version, not different, but a you know a new version of the book, and they recorded, I think it was from Brilliance Audio, they recorded a new version of the audiobook. And so that's the one I got from the library. And it's, I'm about, I think I'm about a disc 10, and there's 12 discs, so I'm very close to the end. And I'm enjoying it so far. It is very different than what I remember the book being like. It is much more technical, uh, both in technology and science. They talk about the science of the dinosaurs a lot, and the technology of the park you know, all the systems they use, and things like that. It's also interesting that for a good chunk of the book, the, you know, I'd say the first, yeah, two or three discs that I was listening to, they don't even mention dinosaurs. We know they're dinosaurs because, you know, we've read the book or seen the movie or read the book jacket, but what's happening in the book no one, no one knows what's, that there are dinosaurs. So it's really, it's just really interesting to go, you know, I, you know, I started it thinking, where are the dinosaurs going to get here? But it takes a while for them to sort of build up to that. And, yeah, it's not quite as, I don't know, engrossing as I remember it, and you know, that could just be time and all that, you know, things have changed, I've changed. Um, and I can definitely tell, like, there, there were a lot of changes to the book, to the movie, you know, when they adapted to the movie. And I think all those changes were really good. I don't know if a straight-out adaptation of the book would have made a movie that was quite as thrilling, at least for me. And one thing I'm really glad that they changed, though, is the character of Lex, who is, in the movie, she's, you know, the oldest grandchild who ends up helping them at the end by doing something with computers. But in the book, she's actually younger, which doesn't matter to me as much, but her character in the book is super, super annoying. I mean, all she does is complain about being tired or hungry she doesn't care about the dinosaurs, and she just wants to play sports, like baseball, all the time. She keeps, she wants to play catch constantly. 
And anytime they're supposed to be quiet, she cries or screams or coughs. It's just, it's very annoying to me. And it's okay in the book. I imagine, you know, she's eight in the book. That's probably what an eight-year-old would really be like. But if she'd been in the movie like that, I probably would have liked it a lot less. So that was one good change. And one thing I'm sad they changed, though, is that John Hammond in the book, who is the, um, you know, the idea man behind Jurassic Park, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, sometimes he gets really frustrated and he will say, oh, balls, or balls, when arguing with um, Malcolm or something like that. And I think, I mean, maybe I just have a potty mouth, but I think that's so funny, and I wish they had <laughs> kept that as part of the character in the movie. I just think it would have been really funny to watch that character say that. And, yeah, so, yeah, I'm enjoying that. I, I'm glad I, I'm rereading it, but it's not quite as, as good as I remember it. Um, but the movie is still really good, and that is actually on Netflix streaming right now. It is pretty new because, you know, I go on Netflix quite a lot and am, you know, pretty aware when they add new stuff. And the other day I clicked into my Netflix account and what was on the front page but Jurassic Park. And so I don't know how long that deal is going to last. They usually have limited uh, licensing terms for, you know, a lot of the big movies. So if you haven't seen it, or if you just want to see it again, uh, go onto your Netflix and, and check it out. I have it on DVD, but I, I still watched it on Netflix. It is one of those movies that if I ever see it on TV, I will have to watch it. You know, no matter where, you know, wherever it is, I'll, I'll just watch it. Even if I've seen it a million times, even if I own it, even if the commercials make it three times as long as it really should be, I will watch it. And there's a handful of movies like that. Um, I've had this conversation with Kimberly before, but, you know, one of them is Jurassic Park, Die Hard. Die Hard 1 or 2. I love number 2 as well. And what else is there? Con Air. Con Air is a terrible movie, but terrible in an awful way. And if it's on TV, I will stop and watch it. The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, do you guys have movies like that? I feel like most people do. You know, you see it on TV, and, and it makes you want to watch it, and even if you maybe have the DVD, it's not like you go and get the DVD, you just sit and watch it, right? Is that just me and Kimberly? I don't know, I would, I, would, I would like to hear if you guys have movies that you feel compelled to watch if they're ever on TV, you know, even if you've seen it, even if you have it. Um, I'm sure there's more in, on my list, I just can't think of them right now. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been reading. Uh, what I have been watching, I am still watching Elementary. After I returned season one to the library, after we last talked, I, I hadn't finished season one. I figured maybe I could recheck it out, maybe, you know, the following week, because they don't let you renew DVDs. And, but when I got home, I just decided, you know, maybe I'll check Netflix or Hulu even though I hadn't seen them on, hadn't seen the show on there before, maybe, maybe it is on there and I just didn't see it. And lo and behold, the first three seasons of Elementary are on Hulu. I was super excited <laughs> to find that because that meant that I didn't have to 
check out these DVDs from the library, because you can only get them for a week here, which, and for some people, is probably enough to watch a season of TV, but for me, no. I got through a few discs of season one in the week, which is a record for me, and I was super happy to see that it was on Hulu, so I could watch them at my leisure. Um, so right now, I don't know exactly where I am, but I've been steadily watching one or two episodes every night, and I think I must be somewhere near the end of season two or the beginning of season three. I don't know how many seasons there are of this show. I mean, there are at least three. I think there might be four or five. I don't know if it's been canceled. Don't tell me if it's been canceled because I'll be sad. I'm still really enjoying that. I really like the relationship between, you know, Holmes and Watson and just sort of the cases they have. They're just interesting. So I was watching that. And I also went to see X-Men Apocalypse a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I also enjoyed that. It was, um, I... I read X-Men a lot as a kid. I remember the Apocalypse character, though I do not remember much of his backstory or what he does. <laughs> and so, you know, I kind of went into it without, you know, any preconceived notions. And, I, I mean, I was entertained. I, I like the X-Men movies. The X-Men were my favorite comic as a kid, so I just have a special soft spot for them. And I do enjoy James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. And this is the one I was looking forward to because it had two Asian characters in it, Psylocke and Jubilee. And it was really cool seeing them. Unfortunately, neither of them has a lot of lines, but I'm hoping that this sort of paves the way to have them in more featured roles in, you know, subsequent movies. And <clears throat> what was I going to say about... I forget. I was going to say something about one of the characters, but I can't remember now. Um, yeah, X-Men Apocalypse. Fun movie. I didn't like it quite as much as Civil War, but I still liked it. And then the last thing I watched is The Revenant. Most of you guys have probably seen this one. That's the one with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy, where basically it's snowing all the time, and Leonardo DiCaprio gets attacked by a bear, which is crazy. I don't know how they filmed that, but it looked pretty realistic, I would say. I mean, I've never seen a bear attack, but that looks like what would happen. Hopefully I never witness a bear attack, or I'm part of one. <laughs> Knock on wood. And yeah, I, I got that on Netflix DVD and took it home to see with my parents, because my mom loves Leonardo DiCaprio. She's already seen this movie, but when I told her I had it on DVD, she was quite excited. Apparently she likes the drama, she, in her words, um, and, you know, was looking forward to seeing it again. Again, another one that I enjoyed, I, I was the last person to have seen it, I think, because everyone I know has had seen it months and years, like it last year, and yeah, it was good. I don't think I'd want to see it again, unlike my mom, but I'm glad I finally saw it, and... You know, all I can say is, like, I would never have survived in those times. I'm sure I would have just frozen. You know, I don't think my survival instinct is that good. Um, plus, there was, looks like there wasn't a lot of bathing. And 
Yeah, that would suck, right? So yeah, that's, those are the things I've been uh, watching and reading. And I think that's it for this week. Thanks for hanging out, guys. I hope this recording, cross fingers, sounds okay. And I hope I'm able to upload it tomorrow. We will cross all our fingers because I, I just want an easier way to podcast. So I can, you know, focus more on hanging out with you guys instead of struggling with how to record. So I hope you guys have been well, and we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye, and happy knitting. You can find our show notes at twistedstitchespodcast.blogspot.com. You can find me, Twee, on Instagram and Ravelry as fishgirl182. We also have an Instagram page for the podcast at Twisted Stitches Podcast, and we have a Ravelry group and a Facebook group that you can find as Twisted Stitches Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye!